Hello, Kurt. Hello, Mike. We're here again. <laughs> We're actually in a vehicle right now. Yeah, recording this. <laughs> yeah, on the fly. Like I literally just said 10 seconds ago, let's do this. <laughs> Um, so, hey, we're leading into another episode. This episode's going to be an amazing one. Uh, we got Mike, a buddy of ours, Ellie, buddy of ours on the podcast talking about survival. But before we get to the podcast, we got to talk about our sponsors because they're important. <laughs> yes, they are. So the first one is a company called BPRE or a graphic novel called BPRE, which stands for Black Powder Red Earth. And what a cool name. <laughs> it is a cool name. Black powder, red earth. John's so creative. Mean? Yeah, John is know. creative. I always think about somewhere overseas in some shithole when I think of black powder, red earth. But, uh, you know, he makes graphic novels. I've read them all. He's got a new series coming out in October. If you're interested in picking up the series, it's on overseas government contractors. And it's very interesting because John is closely connected to special operations. It's not classified, It's but it's a, a fictational representation yeah. Of some of the stories of that ops. of ops that happen and take place through uh, counterterrorism, really interesting read. Check them out, blackpowderredearth.com. That's right, and they're on Instagram as well. Yep, on, I think it's Black Powder Red Earth. It is, yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Also, this uh, episode is sponsored by U.S. Night Vision. Good buddies, Jason H at uh, U.S. <laughs> Night Vision. Vision. Uh, U.S. Night Vision has been a sponsor of Philcraft Survival since the very beginning. We have more. Um, in-depth relationships with U.S. Night Vision than any other company. They take care of us. We will take care of them always. If you're interested in anything, accessories, night vision, you know, no matter what you're looking for, check out U.S. Night Vision at usnightvision.com and uh, use the coupon code. Yep, you can use code uh, the code FEELCRAFT for 10% off anything on their website. Um, and if that doesn't work, definitely get a hold of them and they will honor that code. Uh, they have been good friends to our company, and so we're super appreciative of them. And just like all the other companies that we work with, they usually give you a pretty good discount, so check them out. Also, Basemap. Check out Basemap. If you're interested in off-road, on-road, land navigation, or just navving outdoors, hunting, hiking, if you're just that kind of person, download the Basemap app. You could go to app. Uh, it's app.basemap.com app app.basemap.com use the coupon code philcraft for the upgrade to the pro version which i use because i want to see everybody's land all the imagery offline maps everything they do pretty awesome check them out is that all you got pearl you got <laughs> pearl do you have anything pearl, do you want to no okay she's sponsored dog food <laughs> yeah. made with real lamb uh, okay pearl <laughs> you can check pearl at service underscore um, I was going to say Team Phil service at Service Dog Pearl. Right? Service Dog underscore Pearl. Pearl. Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> hey, if you're a big supporter of nonprofits, which a lot of our followers are, check out Labs for Liberty. It's Labs, the numeral four, and Liberty. You can check them out at a doc, their .org account. Right. Or just check them out through their social media or Google it. And if you're looking to donate money as we approach into the holidays, Thanksgiving, which is a good time for giving, uh, Christmas. Uh, there's a whole bunch of veterans and uh, first responders in need of uh, service dogs. That's right. And it's a good cause and it's something that we're going to be doing soon for a as a, uh, a fundraiser. Yeah, their mission is uh, to provide service dogs um, for veterans and, you know, first responders that need them at no cost. So your donations go directly to buying a puppy, having it trained, and then making sure that that dog is connected with the right service member or first responder uh, to have that you know special pet in their life um, to help them out. And Mike always makes a good point about um, there, you know, there's a low percentage, if not any, uh, veterans or first responders that have been paired with service dogs um, that have committed suicide. So huge uh, organization doing great things. Labs for, Labs for Liberty, check them out. Uh, super important and great people that run it. All right, guys, let's kick off the podcast. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Phil Kraus Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm here with Kurt today, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys know I'm the co-host. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can talk a little bit about what happened this morning. Uh, we almost killed a gangbanger. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Dude, we, we're in, so we're in Ceres, California. And we're doing, uh, we did the civilian course over the weekend. Right. Which is uh, open enrollment course. Yes. We, 
and we did that Saturday and Sunday pistol and carbine. And then now we're doing stuff for LEO, an agency that we won't name, but we're doing training for, with them. But we're staying in Modesto, California. That's right. Which is uh, I interesting. Don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'll just we'll just say it's interesting. That it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so me and Kurt left this morning, around six ish something. Yeah. Uh, to get to the range, to go to Starbucks, uh, poop at Starbucks, <laughs> and then head out to uh, the range to do some good training. I don't even know how to have you were navin, right? Yeah, well, I was trying to. My GPS was yeah, like, wouldn't acting register. Up, so yet. we're both looking at our phones trying to figure it out. But we were kind of we knew uh, the generally the area home. that we were in, right? And we were trying to navigate towards uh, towards a Starbucks and. <laughs> Lo and behold, there's this crazy cholo. <laughs> well, I think what what happened, what had happened was, yeah, I think what happened is the dude was in a white car and he was driving in front of us, right? Maybe a couple blocks in front of us, yeah. And this is six ish in the morning, right? So this dude was doing like close target reconnaissance on his next target, yeah. And he it, he basically went into a cul de sac and had to turn around, right. Well, as we went down that cul-de-sac, because we took a wrong turn. Right. We, yeah, it he, wasn't yeah. intentional. <laughs> he was heading right towards us. Right. And like so on our side of the road. On our side of the road. So I was think, I was actually thinking, oh, he just pulled out of his garage or his uh, driveway, and he's co- correcting to get on the right side of the road. Yeah. But he wasn't. No, he was, like, trying to make eye contact with us and, like, look inside of the vehicle. Like, and we're, like, staring at us. <laughs> yeah. We're not even paying attention. Yeah, not really, right? No. Like, I didn't... I thought it was a little bit strange. I think it definitely piqued my situational awareness. But then what happened next, I definitely was like, what in the fuck is going on? So we, we he, that guy, so he, he, that guy did the U-turn. And yeah. as soon as he passed us, we kind of were like, what the hell? Yeah, it was weird. But then we blew it off. We we're like, no, we're not going to get in a fight or yeah. do anything <laughs> stupid. We got to get, yeah, we got to work. We got to work get, to get to Starbucks. And as we turned around, um, he was at the stop sign behind us that we had just been right. at and he cut across the intersection. Yeah. And so we're at a, a four way stop intersection, yeah, four way stop, but Main a road. residential neighborhood. Yeah. So not a lot of traffic. Right. And so he pulls up across the intersection and parks his car on the sidewalk, like right next to the sidewalk. Yeah. Opens his door and that this dude's like five, eight. Uh, I don't know if he was, um, What's that noise? It's the rice cooker. <laughs> it's a rice. It's got to be the rice cooker. We've got a guest here. He's, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about he's the guest partly later. Asian. So there's a rice cooker. There's going a rice off in the cook, rice cooker alarm going off in the background. And we're all bare feet except for Kurt. No he's pun not intended. Asian. I know. Terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so we get we he cuts across the road and he gets out and he's wearing a white t-shirt. Yeah. What if he listens to the podcast? That'd be funny. White t-shirt. I hope he gets into a car accident. I know. <laughs> he's wearing like basketball gym shorts. Yeah. And he's tatted got up. tats on all of his hands. Hand tats, prison tats, prison all the way tats. up his neck. Yeah. And he and he looks up and he's like, uh, he yells at us. Yeah, he like, was, he. well, my thing was like, my observation. Oh yeah, his hands, yeah, right? Yeah, right off the bat, like, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to intimidate us, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but he, because at that point we he, both had he kind pistols of picked, and ran. Yeah, he yeah. kind of picked his shirt up and then went to. Stick his hands. He, like, yeah. He, yeah, he put his hand like he had a firearm in his waistband. Yeah. And so we were like, is this it? Is this, are we going to, are is we finally going to get kill? a Conus kill that we've yeah. been waiting for? And then, so he says, are, are you motherfuckers following me? He's like, we're all amped yeah. up. And I, I, this is early in the morning. So yeah. you and I are like shaking off the friggin', yeah. you know, the early morning. I'm like, nah, bro, we ain't following you. What are you talking about? And, he's, yeah. and he we're was trying to amp the fuck up. We're trying like to see what he's doing or something. Yeah. I think Kurt, Kurt said he thinks he's on meth and I agree. I think. Yeah, just to just, just his based demeanor on demeanor was energy level. Yeah, who the fuck has that much energy in the morning? <laughs> right, dude, we're yeah. just waking up, and I'm like, and he wants to get in this a fight. dude's been on a meth binge for 24 hours, and yeah. he's tweaking like thinking everybody's following him, and so then we say something like, "The fuck are you talking about, man? Like, uh, what are you? What, nobody's following you." Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, motherfucker. And then he gets back in the car. Which was, yeah, it was weird because he didn't so close weird. the door either. He left the door cracked. I think he recognized, like, hey, this might be an issue. This, may, this might be my chance to martyr myself. Yeah, I'm going to get... <laughs> it, you know what's weird is I'm, I was driving the runner, so it's camouflaged, yeah. windows tinted, and he sees through the front windshield two dudes who aren't little. 
And so for him to have that level of escalation mm-hmm. it kind of bewilders me. I, yeah. But well, we I, talked to LE, right? At yeah, the range. We did. And we asked, because California is different in laws and how they prosecute self-defense. And so what they said to us, and that, you know, we could probably confirm this because we have an LEO right next to us. <laughs> but um, what he did say was, hey, if if you had the opportunity to leave or to flee, you could have just left. Yeah, basically you've got to retreat. you got to retreat. And they would have basically fucked you up. You pro- I probably, you probably would have got manslaughter. Right. And then we would have did podcasts from the cell. You would have flipped on me. You would have been like, <laughs> he, he shot him. I he didn't shoot him. him, man. Yeah. Hey, Kurt, hold this gun for a second. ribs with that dude. <laughs> Kurt, hold this gun. Oh, Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, this isn't my gun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, what's bizarre is uh, it seems to follow us. And I don't know why. I know. But it's like, we didn't even. I feel like we're in that movie where you escape death one time, but it shows up like yeah, it's in like what's ten other episodes. Final destination. Yeah, final final destination. <laughs> we have final yeah. destination go on. Like the I airplane. escaped the ninety. Like all these crazy firefights over our careers, and then lo now and behold, at six a.m., we're gonna get whacked by some shitbag cholo in California yeah. before I even <laughs> before I even wake up, man. Before um, I even had a friggin' uh, a friggin' pumpkin latte, you know, know. what I'm saying? Oh, That'd be season. horrible. Yeah. So you know, uh, we have a we do have a guest today. Uh, we were at the course. We were at the pistol course, and you know, like most of our courses in Sirius, California, we usually have about half the class that's LEO. Yeah, at least half, which is awesome. We a lot love- of law enforcement officers that come down to take yep. the class individually. Um, and they do that. And I think the kind of one of the big things in my mind when they come to do that, these guys, uh, they pay their own money to come down and train yeah. uh, because they're serious about it. And so when the environment they operate in, you need to be serious yeah, exactly. about it. The shit's no joke here. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, it's it's definitely commendable, right, to mention the fact that a lot of people talk shit about law enforcement and say, oh, they don't have enough training and all this stuff. Well, hey. Here's a great example of a company like uh, Mike, Mike and Mike, you know, Fieldcraft, our mm-hmm. company, and we're out there, you know, doing the good deed of making sure that we're relaying all of our experiences, you know, from uh, combat, gunfights, everything we can pick apart in those uh, those experiences and share those things with other people. So that way, when it's their turn, um, they're equipped as best as possible to deal with shitty situations. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's actually uh, uh, humbling to see that because a, a lot of s- different states that we operate in don't have that much participation. Uh, participation, right? In in LE and uh, Cali and Siri specifically is the most that we see, and it's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, but we were there, and then we started interacting with uh, a law enforcement officer who was taking the training and who had communicated to us about some things that he was involved in. And uh, so on the podcast, we have our guest today, Mike Nguyen. I always fuck that up. <laughs> no, it sounds good. Mike Nguyen? Yeah. Welcome Mike to the podcast, Nguyen, yeah. Mike, Mike Nguyen. Let's just call it Mike Nguyen. Mike Nguyen. Go. We Mike got a in. lot of mics Mike in Fieldcraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike Nguyen. Vietnamese Mike. That's yeah, right. Vietnamese Mike. <laughs> uh, so Mike, um, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, thanks for having for, me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I know you're a busy guy and, uh, you know, we didn't, it, this was on a whim, right? Because we were yeah. like... You, you're like, hey, you know, you should have this, but here's my experience. I'm like, well, we should have you, yeah, uh, because you have a unique experience, right? And uh, you know, we won't mention the department that you uh, you started you, yeah. you started at, but give us a little bit of background on your law enforcement experience and like, you know, where you grew up, what what you got into, and then uh, how you ended up being LEO in the first place. Okay, uh, first started out uh, the academy out here in Sacramento. Uh, I was about 21 when I started, graduated. I turned 21, actually, or 22 in the academy. Um, Damn, young buck. Yeah. That's awesome. So turned 22 in the academy, got picked up in 2008, uh, agency in Northern California. Uh, Spent about four years there, and then I uh, moved on over to the East Bay um, for uh, more pay. Uh, So that's where I'm currently at now. Um, Other than that, uh, spent my time uh, as a school resource officer working with uh, the kids. Um, Went to a little bit of the uh, gang suppression unit. Um, you know, people in Sacramento know there's a big, uh, Asian gang out here. So, um, there's big Asian gangs out here, <laughs> a bunch of Asian gangs. Hell out here, yeah. yeah. So you'll fit right in with when me. When you man. start a GoFundMe for those dudes. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> and after that, uh, when I 
did my lateral transfer to the East Bay, um, which is also the Bay Area. Um, I don't know why they call it the East Bay. I guess it's on the eastern side of the Bay Area, which is weird. So yeah. <laughs> so Bay Area. Um, I went there, did a couple years, and I finally got onto the SWAT team and um, is assigned to the K9 team. So uh, I'm a K9 handler on the SWAT team, and so far it's been an, op- an amazing, amazing time. So I can't complain. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. So you you. Uh... You started your career very young. Yeah. Right? And then, I mean, it's just like a soldier. When you enlist, you're a private, yeah. and you work your way up, and now you're on the SWAT team. Now you're a canine handler on the SWAT team, which is really awesome. It's a, a really cool thing. And the the unique thing is, uh, you know, in talking to you, uh, Mike's a big Asian dude, too, which is unique. <laughs> so we're like a rare breed. Uh, the cool thing is... Um, Mike had, had a lot of experiences leading up to the point and, you know, he's a competent shooter, was one of the better shooters in the course. And we always identify those guys and kind of like communicate to them and, Hey, what's your experiences and everything else. And you had came up to me and told me about a situation that you were in. Tell us, tell us, uh, let's, let's kick it off by telling us what the date was, uh, the time frame, kind of what your position was. And uh, and then walk us through the uh, scenario. Okay, um, the date still prints in my head to this day, uh, October twenty second of uh, twenty eleven. Uh, roughly noon is when. How old were you in twenty eleven? I think it was. Uh, I just I just hit my twenty fifth birthday. Damn, dude! So my birthday is five years old. Yeah. My birthday was actually last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, happy belated happy birthday! Thank you, man. Happy uh, so I made it to uh, uh, the thirty uh, my thirty second age. So you're great. Asian though. You look like seventeen. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. It's cool, all that man. all that bok choy, man. It's all it, that man. <laughs> Collagen bok choy. <laughs> um, so it was uh, about noon. I had it was it was weird. I had a uh, a PR a public relations um, event that I had to go to. Where they're telling me to hand out all these kitty bags, take pictures with these kids. It was, uh, I think they call it um, like a an employment, uh, like just a good job fair almost. Like sure. all these kids come out and look at, it. and these are like little kids, like five, six, seven, eight. So they're coming out taking pictures with construction workers, SWAT guys, and then I'm over here in my little booth. I'm handing out all these swag bags, um, doing this uh, meet and greet, kissing babies, basically. Um, I'm done with that detail. I head back to the station. I'm hitting up my partner. I'm saying, hey, man, let's go get some, some lunch. And it's about 2 p.m. He says, hey, I'm still far away from my detail. Uh, give me 30 minutes, and I'll meet you uh, back at the station. I said, okay. So my you know, dumbass, I'm young the job, hungry. So I'm like, uh, let me go out and pull a car over real quick while I wait. So I head down the street next to the PD. I'm like, hey, there's this car right here. You know, It's just expired registration, something small. I can put on my books and just sign them out real quick. I pull them over. Uh, the dude is driving uh, this white Suburban, and I won't forget it. Um, just, you know, a couple months expired. Did my traffic stop. He decides to take off. Vehicle pursuits, you know, it's initiated. We're going for about a quarter mile, so I'm putting out directions. You know, we're turning. You know, we're doing some fun stuff. For some reason, dude just stops um, in the middle of a neighborhood, opens the door. I'm out, low ready. This is broad daylight. Broad daylight, yeah, so about 2 p.m., so he still so he stops the vehicle. You're still in your vehicle, but you're in pursuit. Uh, so initially it was a vehicle pursuit. So eventually he stops. He just pulls over, brakes. I'm about maybe a car length away. You know, I do a immediate oh shit break. Pop my door open. Got my gun out a little, a little ready, and yep. I'm like, giving this dude commands. I'm like, hey man, get back in the car. Get back in the car. He's looking at me like deer in the headlights, and he goes, and just fucking takes off. Um, runs southbound in that direction, uh, so away from his car, away from my car, if you can picture it. So he's in front of his car. He's just taking off. We take off. We're running about uh, maybe like five minutes, you know, through neighborhoods, and he's a big dude. Um, and you're by yourself. I'm by myself, point. yeah. I'm putting out broadcasts. So yeah, That's I, a long run. It is, yeah, because, you know, um, he's, I mean, the dude's huge, so he's moving, and I'm like, okay, well, I can keep up. Um, but he had, you know, a good uh, 100 yards at least in front of me, as I got my chance to lock my, I had to lock my car, which you know, I don't, yeah. want, I don't want my shit stolen. So yeah. <laughs> I lock my squad car, uh, go on the pursuit. Uh, we go through a couple houses, um, backyards that is. Eventually he gets tired, so he's trying to jump a fence, and I'm like, get him. Uh, I jump on his back, uh, get him in a rear naked, trying to bring him down. Um, how how big is this dude? He was when I put it out um, uh, later on when we get some time, I'll send you the uh, the actual audio recording, but. Uh, he's about six feet, two fifty, maybe two twenty, two fifty, roughly. Big boy, big boy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> get him in the rear naked, bring him down. Um, 
I'm not trying to choke the dude out because I know this guy's you know overpower me. Uh, he's trying to you know he's trying to flip me over. So as I do that, I'm you know, I'm trying to uh, kick down his legs so that way he can drop further down. Finally, we disengage because the dude's tired. I take out a different use of force, which is my uh, pepper spray, a little OC spray. And we're about this close right here where I grab onto his wrist, take my OC out, hit him a couple times. He's like, you know, he's not saying anything. He's like, ah, and I'm like, all right, cool. I shit you not, this quick. I put it away. The moment I put it away, that free right hand pulls out. I see a silver handgun with a black barrel and just unloads about seven to eight shots. Um... I'm still in that position and I can't get my gun out in time, so I'm pushing his gun out of the way. So he's got a retracted gun. Yeah, down. You have his yeah. hand. His I have wrist. his hand. Yeah. So just exactly how you are yeah. now, we're standing. And he's shooting. And I'm yeah. So I'm now he's he's trying to punch out and I'm trying to push the gun away. So yeah, I believe the first round went through this forearm right here. Left uh, forearm. Left forearm. Yeah. So, so if you if you know for just illustration purposes for audio, Mike has a. Uh, uh, obviously, he's been shot in his left arm, but he's got a, a through wound. Through gunshot. Through yeah, through yeah. Gunshot scar wound. there. Yeah. So I went this way, uh, my left arm. I disengaged. I pushed the gun to the other side. Um, and he's still shooting. He's still shooting. I take one in the bicep entry here, exit out here. So right biceps, all through and through? Through and through, yeah. So I went yeah. through here. Which we're looking at the scars right now, guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm still continuing to push off, trying to get, you know, uh, the advantage. But, I mean, we're in close quarter. I got no knives on me. I got I can't get to my gun quick enough, so I'm just trying to push away. Um, and it's funny because your last training, you said – you. This, this is hilarious because you guys, the way you guys put your uh, your podcast is like exactly how it is right now. I feel like I'm in a dream. This is freaking hilarious. <laughs> but going back to that Saturday's training, um, you're mentioning, uh, you know, your last uh, memory of where you got a D-ass and you're doing that whole butthole sniffing thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I remember, which is weird because I remember I was like, oh, there's a car right here. So if I hop back behind that car, get cover, cover versus concealment, he said, uh, and that's you're talking about that actually. Yeah. I get behind that car and I was like, okay, I can probably get some shots off. So in my mind, the car is right here where Kirk's next to me, like maybe, I don't know, maybe like five feet away. I did, I turn around and I catch a couple through my vest, but I don't feel those because they just go straight through the vest, like, um, like almost on top of the vest. So yeah. you feel, you actually feel the rounds. I don't feel your... those because I think my adrenaline was pumping so much. Yeah. But I remember when they got my clothes back and my vest back, they said, Hey, you know, you got some strength the front of your, yeah. yeah. So as I'm turning, the one that I actually feel that feels that make it feels like I'm about to get knocked the fuck out is the one that goes underneath my holster on the right side of my hip, and it travels, fractures my holster, exit on my stomach, um, and it just fucks my whole entire lower intestines. Um, so it compromises your intestines. You got gut shot. Yeah, it's like. I, people ask me all the time, "How does it feel?" I said, "Hey, man, if I thought I got shot in the back, cause that's where I felt the pain at, um, but as I went." To I mean afterwards I, I you know I found out it was a hit, it was a hip shot through the stomach I was like it felt like boiling water inside the stomach wow and it felt like it was just inflating and inflating so um, prior to that I get that one shot and I I don't I didn't feel the one that went down on my thigh but there's an the exit one right here um, but the entry went behind the, the uh, hamstring. hamstring out of the quad. so you were falling like because you have him on the fence he turns and shoots and then you're backing up and as you're backing up. Does he shoot you as you're like going to your back? How does he hit your leg or you turn so out? At that point, you know, as I'm fighting left and right, trying to push the gun away, I see the vehicle. I'm doing a turn. I think that's when he hits me Got it. on the hip. Yeah. And as I'm trying to jump over that vehicle, that's when I get that once the thigh. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I get to the point where I'm behind the vehicle now and I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to have to try to get a shot off because I don't know if this dude's going to come back and give me, you know, one to the face or one in the head and call it a day. Yeah. So I get back to pretty quick. Wait, what's your mindset in that that space? Are you thinking like, are you are you actually communicating to yourself and going, hey, this is what's going to take place, and you need to get your gun out because the dude might come back and shoot you in the face? Like, are you thinking that, or are you just like on autopilot, grabbing shit and just like primal? You're like a fucking animal trying to survive. So my first initial shots, I'm like, all right, I'm just trying to get separation. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then at the second part is. Through the training, you know, like, I mean, I was only caught for a year and a half, maybe two years at most. And I'm like, cover and concealment, you know. Um, and that class, for all that you don't know, you know, Kurt touched base on that really quick. But uh, it drives home to cover versus concealment. So in my mind, you know, my training, right, I was like, find cover and then return fire. Um, so I'm jumping back there and I'm like, and at that point, I'm pretty sure it's autopilot because I'm like, well, I don't want to fucking die. Yeah. So 
cover, pull out my gun, start scanning, you know, my 360. Um, the shitty part was the dude had already gained ground and we were maybe 25 feet from his vehicle. Um, so as I'm trying to plop behind this, this parked truck or parked vehicle, I got my, my weapon out now. I'm almost doing like a, like a, oh, like a tripod or a bipod kind of mm -hmm. with my elbow using it to aim. But I got blood running everywhere. My muscle feels like it's not even contracting correctly. And at this point, you've got two gunshot wounds, one, each, yeah. one through the left forearm and then one through the right bicep. Yeah. Not, and not to mention this weird burning and boiling yeah, feeling the in hip my stomach. Shot. Yeah. So I'm taking aim and, you know, at that point, at that at that time, our department issued us this shitty gun, and I know it's based on the shooter, but that gun sucked. It was a uh, Sig 226 uh, DAK, so double action only. Horrible gun. So I'm trying to like figure out how I'm gonna pull this gun without uh, misfiring into the neighborhood, like I told you. Uh, I was like, these, you know, these neighborhoods are really close by, so I'm like, if I take one shot or five, there's a chance it's gonna, you know, hit into these houses, and I don't know who's in there. And not to mention, there was a park down the street, so yeah. I. I I made the, I guess, selfless decision to say, let's just broadcast what we have, get, uh, you know, troops around the area to, uh, to lock down a perimeter and just get this dude. So, so what's always, his, po what's his posture when he's at that point, separated yeah. and you're looking at him? What's his, what's his, uh, uh, he posture is, like? he's part, he's, he's de-assing out of that. He's like not even looking back. He's running like a full linebacker sprint to his vehicle trying to mm -hmm. get out because he's okay. so this has happened in a matter of seconds yeah so the, the actual fight the gunfight um the you know the whole f uh, physical portion of it i mean it's like minutes it feels like it's like forever but yeah which i which just real fast and i don't want to interrupt because i want to stay rolling on this but you know we talk about this a ton in when we teach you know whether it's um self-defense concealed carry like anything where you're defending yourself or your family, this shit happens so fast, right? And you guys are hearing it right now from a guy uh, who was doing, you know, who does the job professionally, was in a gunfight, was wounded, fighting through that. And this shit happens really fast. So people, I think the biggest mistake that people make in general is they think there's time that I'm just going to figure it out, right? I don't do any training. I have some of the tools and I have the equipment, but I never go and train with it. But I just think, and we, we talk about it all the time, that you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall back to your highest level of training. And so in a the most stressful situation of your life, the expectation that, you know, something like that's going to happen, like you've got to be ready to friggin' to get, to get after it. That's exactly right. So, you know, it's awesome to hear that reflection of training because it all, this is all meaning something because there's always a lesson learned in this, even despite, um, kind of like the pain and the tragedy of all the shit that's in, involved. Right. But it's a, it, it means something. So, you know, you, so the guy, the guy is literally running at this point and you have to make a decision. Are you going to break shots? Are you going to get it behind front sight? And you decide not to shoot because of the distance, because of the threat to, uh, uh, the neighborhood or the innocence that were in that, in that neighborhood. What happened next? Um, so at that point, you know, like I, you know, I was telling you guys, I, I wasn't comfortable with firing those shots. Um, and it comes down to, you guys always talk about training. Um, you know, my training was as limited as basic as any patrolman, right? You know, you go to your quarterly training every three months, you might sneak out to the range, um, on your days off, but you know, that costs your own money on time. Um, uh, but it's just that weapon. It just sucks. So, um, like I, in, in the end, the grand scheme of things, I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable shooting that firearm and hitting a, someone in the neighborhood. Um, so I decided, Hey, get on the radio, give your broadcast location, tell them what you got, tell them where, um, this dude's at and try to just update as much detail as possible and hoping, you know, you get an airship up and converging units to lock down a perimeter. Um, so my last transmission was, you know, I called out the officer down 1199 and you have that trap. I do. Yeah. I, so, uh, when I get a chance, I'll try to look for it now, but I'll give you the, the, the audio of that. Um, transmission during the pursuit or from the initial uh, traffic stop to the end of the uh, gunfight and then uh, some photos of me in the hospital let's go ahead and uh, listen to this uh, audio recording now yeah have a unit that was in the foot pursuit they're on south avenue or grant high the black male adult six foot 200 pounds white shirt blue pants if you have any units in here could you start them they're 
So, uh, you know, hearing that and hearing the distress and everything that's involved, you sounded pretty calm in the transmission. What's your, what's your like demeanor, like your mindset when you're trying to like, you know, you have comms and really your comms is your lifeline, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you don't relay the communication properly, your last known location, um, the situation, it could affect other officers that would be involved, potentially get killed. And so you communicate that. Is that something that's instilled in you in training? It was, yeah, you know, like uh, you, you always want to update or you want to give as much information as you can uh, only because if you don't get out of this successfully, like you said, the next officer who might be picking up your uh, last transmission says, okay, well, I know this dude just shot a cop, so I'm going to take as much, you know, um, higher awareness as possible. But if you go out there and you just start screaming bloody murder, saying I'm shot, I don't know where I'm at, I'm dying, blah, 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 um, you're just setting the next person up for failure because that person could make a, you know um, – just a regular traffic stop and say, hey, you know, I got told that you were involved in it and all of a sudden this dude starts shooting again. Yeah, they have no situational awareness of what's exactly. by the time they arrive. Are you, uh, you know, at the time that people are responding to you, how, how did you, how do you guys roll when somebody uh, reports officer down or officer involved shooting? Is it, is it, you know, my experience in Texas, knowing LD in Texas, is that every single person, no matter what they're doing, stops what they're doing and they respond to the officer because nothing's more important than that. So the only 1199s I've been involved in was uh, mine and one of our officers uh, that I was able to respond to. But I'm sorry, two, uh, two other agencies. So when that when that number that magic number comes out on the radio, no matter what you're doing, you're dropping and you're hauling ass to your vehicle and getting there as soon as possible. Even though you don't know where the location's at, as long as you're driving fast to that general area and you're pulling your you know your computer information or you're following your partners. The whole, I don't want to say the whole world, but, you know, the entire surrounding cities, I mean, you got hundreds of officers coming to you. Um, so with my call, when I call that out, um, after looking back to it, I had the whole entire Sacramento County uh, coming to my location. Um, and you already had SWAT teams on standby for training that they said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll offer up our assistance if you need it. So there was a lot of people on a Saturday afternoon just waiting um, for that call. I don't want to say it in a bad way, but they're basically not doing much and they're like, oh, this is something. So we're going to get there as fast as we can. What about medically? I'm, you, know, you know, it's not often talked, medical training is not often talked about with law enforcement officers, period, because it's like, here's a basic level of training and, you know, it's unique to some of the departments in California to actually have somebody who's medically trained at that level or at that time period, you were a young officer. Did you have any medical training? Besides, no, you know, I, no, I didn't. I just had the general first aid, uh, some stuff in the academy. We didn't get any advanced officer training yet, um, as I was in, you know, that 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 young into my career. Uh, but I do remember some, you know, general, some general uh, healthy habits like uh, combat breathing, you know, in your nose, out your mouth. I didn't want to hyperventilate, um, and a lot of that actually comes from um, my physical training, my PT, you know, that I was involved in. So I, at that time, you know, CrossFit was really popular. And then you're weightlifting. Um, but they tell you how to breathe. And also in high school when you play sports, you know, in your mouth. Or I'm sorry, in your nose, out your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm over there thinking if I start breathing, you know, like a jackass, I'm going to hyperventilate, pass out, and then who knows what's going to happen. So I'm over there taking these deep breaths of air in my nose, out my mouth, in my nose, out my mouth. And I'm like, all right, now what's the next You're step? trying to calm down. I am, yeah, because, you know, my I'm like, shit, my butthole is like this close or this tight. And I, my heart rate was skyrocketed. Um, and I'm yelling on the radio, uh, the information, but 
I know that I'm freaking out, so I'm trying to calm myself down. I'm like, all right, just remember your breathing, you know, remember your sports breathing from when you're in high school and college, and then just try to figure it out from there. So, is it that's that to me is fucked up <clears throat> because you know, like a person like yourself who plays sports, and, and a lot of people in law enforcement and military play sports because it, they're, they're athletic, yeah, they're athletic. Yeah. It but you have to refer back to your training. Kurt talks about often, like, you're going to re- not arise to the occasion. You're going to rise to your level of training. And your reference point for, you know, calming down or mindset or medical anything was high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the department didn't have a lot of training. And I'm not knocking a fucking department. I don't care about the knock. The reality is if you don't train your officers in first aid, you're fucking wrong. Period. Yeah. And so that's an institutional responsibility. And... Honestly, a, a individual responsibility, but you don't know what you don't know. If you're an officer and you don't understand medical uh, trauma, anyways, and and people try to complicate it, right? They try to say, hey, if you're a paramedic, if you're an EMT, it's complex because we're the only certified people who could do that. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding? It's kind of like badge protecting. It is. <laughs> it's like I can watch a YouTube video. When it comes to saving your own life and it comes to tactics, it should be an open fucking discussion and training should be available for you guys. I mean, dude, oh, that shit aggravates me. Sorry. Tangent. <laughs> but I just, I, you know, I just, when, you, when you're going through this situation and you're, you're trying to revert back to training, are, are, are you actually bleeding out? Are you seeing a lot of blood? Like, how are you assessing yourself medically? So I can see, you know, just from the extremity that there's blood covered all over my left and my right arm. Um, I know there's pain in my hip, but I don't know where else I got injured at. So I'm trying to feel where the shots have gone through, but my main concern is this weird boiling and inflation feeling in my stomach. So I'm getting all this pressure. I'm trying to unbutton uh, all my, you know, my battle belt, my, my my belt liner, my belt, or my actual pants, trying to give it some some air or some room to breathe because it just feels like it's inflating. Yeah, because uh-huh. co- you compromise, I'm assuming, your abdominal wall. Mm-hmm. That's so why. It's, yeah. it's filling up with blood. The negative pressure. Just, yeah, and it's hot. I think yeah. it's, yeah. So at that point, I'm like, man, all I can do right now is just try to get myself some comfort while, while I'm waiting for the EMTs. Because I'm like, I'm thinking, like, where's the holes at? I can't plug the holes because the feeling is, is not squirting out. Yeah, it's um, internal. So right now, it's like the, my biggest, uh, the biggest obstacle was... You know, control your breathing. That way, you can get some comfort and just take off as much clothes as you can because you know, you know, the fire is rolling and you're, you're getting have, prepped for. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want these fools to just you know take their time, which you know I don't call them fools, but I don't want these guys taking their time, <laughs> cutting my clothes off, or I can just do it for them. So I'm already at that point where I'm like, maybe a quarter way naked, try to uh, shortcut it, get it prepared, right? Um, exactly. Um, and I don't know if this is, this is the wrong mindset, but I was like, I need some, I need some more blood flowing in my heart. So I'm like, let me just like elevate my legs a little bit. Let me just do something so I can just get some more blood pumping through because I feel like blood was just like going everywhere. Um, so that might have been wrong to elevate my legs to get the blood through my heart because then again, you know, when you're bleeding out, it's just pumping all over the area. So I'm like, shit. So I'm thinking of what I can do. But at that point, I don't have any medical exp- expertise. And I'm like, let's just try to be comfortable as possible. But within a matter of matter of seconds, um, you know, Jesus was looking after me because there was a medic unit two blocks away wow. that actually heard the shots because they're on another detail for some bogus um, basic life transport. They're like, no, you don't need to go to the hospital. So we're going to get out of here. And as they're getting ready to leave into their um, their medic van, they hear these shots. And they're like, hey, those sound like gunshots. They're driving towards the general direction. They see people running away. And they're like, dude, it's got to be down here. And all, the, and all of a sudden, I see this. I tell everybody, when, the moment I lay down to the moment I was taking off all my gear, I see the last thing, and I knew that I was okay. This giant, white-looking ice cream van. <laughs> but I knew that it was the fire department. It looked like an ice cream truck from the, from the angle it was at. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to lay here and let them do their thing. So, um, yeah, a matter of seconds, they, you know, the first black-and-white unit pulls up. He's trying to plug my holes the best way he can with his gauze. And the fire department is already right there simultaneously, and they're cutting my clothes, throwing me on the gurney, and then transporting me uh, to the nearest um, facility where they can, you know, uh, do Work the on trauma. trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So. Did you carry tourniquets on your uh, on your person? I didn't even time? know what the hell a tourniquet was. I didn't know anything of first aid besides bandaging and maybe trying to like 
put a, a proper splint on correctly, but tourniquets and all those gauze and everything else, um, I didn't know what the hell that was until after um, my critical incident because I did my own research. Um, and I'll tell you now that as I further advance in my career, they don't teach you that stuff. You have to go out and look for classes that might pertain to that training. Um, and no one tells you how to breathe when you're shot. No one tells you how to administer first aid. But they tell you, hey, you know, you got to bring an IFAC, right? Um, if you have that IFAC, it has all the essentials. But then no one really tells you um, what to do when you have it. They just tell you how to plug up a next the person that's next to you. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that one day, you know, you guys or somebody else can out there can just say, hey, this is the type of training you guys need for someone that, is involved in the shit because yeah you mean you can administer first aid and help someone's life but how, how about when it comes down to you yeah. Yeah. yeah we've actually had the you know we've had the ability of running those in the past and we've run some of those classes you know i think i think this is a, a great segue into highlighting that portion of training right because everybody looks at all the gunfighter stuff and they think oh it's all sexy and they want to come do that but then you're not willing to go out and actually you know link up with qualified personnel to learn the individual first aid part of trauma, which is huge. I mean, you're, it's just, you know, statistically proven, right? Uh, besides Mike's story here, because of what he was doing in law enforcement. But, you know, if you're a civilian and you're listening to this, there's a high probability that you're going to experience some type of catastrophic accident in your life that could include a major bleeder, or it's going to include some type of, you know, uh, traumatic uh, trauma and if you don't know how to address that, um, it could be something as simple as, you know, a femoral artery is compromised. And if you just have a little bit of training and understand how to apply a tourniquet, uh, you could potentially save your, your life or somebody else's life, which just in my mind makes a lot of sense. So to not have the training or to not at least pay attention to that, I think um, is kind of a a silly way to proceed in the sense of everything that we see in today's world, especially if you live in, you know, major metropolitan areas, the chances are because there's more people that live around you and human beings are just, you know, goofballs in general. And so more accidents happen. So the chances are you're going to see more and be exposed to more. So you need to get out there, get the right equipment and the right training. Well, we just came out with the, you know, we did that, collaboration with North American Rescue. And that right. was one of the purposes is with James from North American Rescue is developing the kits, you know, a smaller kit and a more robust kit, but not just developing and coming out with an IFAC or a kit that you can have in your car, but educating and teaching people how to fucking use it. Right. Because nobody wants to, everybody wants the equipment yeah. because it gives them a peace of mind. But that leads to complacency without the knowledge of how to understand how to utilize it. Right. You know, use it on yourself and then use it on others. So, you you know, at this point, Mike, you're, uh, what, what's the last thing you remembered? Were you conscious the entire time when you were being transported or how yeah, did that work? Yeah, funny is, uh, as I'm laying there for that, you know, that brief moment, I'm like, man, is this it? Because I'm, I'm thinking like in the movies where everything just starts blacking out, right? But I'm looking and I'm looking at the skies and I'm getting ready to say my goodbyes uh, on the radio because I'm like, shit. You know, this is the first time that's happened, so I'm going to get ready to say goodbye to my dad. Um, only my dad, which is the only person that popped in my head. Um, and my fiance knows it, but she doesn't give me shit for it. <laughs> my, my, my dad knows. Because uh, the first thing I thought was, right when I got shot, was my dad. And I don't know, coming from I me, mean, I know your dad's not on the Asian side, but my dad's an Asian dude. And he was like whooping my ass when I was a kid. So I was like, if, I, if he finds out that I got fucked up, he's going to go whoop my ass while I'm getting buried or whatever the case is. And I'm like, shit, I'm freaking out. I'm like, my dad's going to beat my ass. <laughs> so I'm laying there and I'm thinking like, all right, let me at least say goodbye to him so he knows, you know, I did what I wanted to do. But I'm li- I'm sitting there grabbing my radio and I'm like, everything's fucking bright. And I'm like, nothing's changing. I'm still breathing normally. I'm not fading out. I'm like, all right, well, let's just keep uh, calm, you know, calmly breathing and just see what, see where this goes. So I'm- Are you at peace with yourself at this time? Because typically I, that is. happens, right? Because- you know, you, it's almost like you understand what's taking place, but you can't. It, you can't fight that. You can't combat that. What is going to happen is going to happen. So you're at peace. Yeah, at that point, you know, I'm like, it's a clear blue sky uh, day, and I'm like, man, it looks really nice. It's everything's really bright. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't hear any noise. You know, I'm not stressing out about what I'm going to do tonight. You know, or I'm going to miss that party for my my buddy's birthday. I'm like, all right, well, let me just say bye to my dad, and then that'll be that'll be good. And I sh- I shit you not, that's all I thought about. But I, I stay for a couple seconds thinking like, all right, let me just wait before I say goodbye. A couple seconds passes by and I'm like, I don't want to look like a retard. So I'm just going to keep breathing until I figure out if I'm going to pass out or not. And I, I didn't pass out 
at all until they got me to the hospital and then they shot me up um, to knock me out. So yeah. I'm awake from the seven minutes of the pursuit to the fight to the shooting to the, ne- the next 15 minutes of waiting for EMS to the transport to the hospital. And then, you know, when they get me on the, the OR, I'm like, I'm going to wait the whole entire time. So that's like 25 plus minutes I was awake. I was like, you know, I wasn't fading out. So yeah. Lucky, man. Yeah. Right. What What do you think uh, did, medically? Because you obviously, uh, they told you exactly the gunshot wounds and the profiles of the wounds. What do you think saved you? I think it was that breathing, man. Like, uh, you know, just like not hyperventilating, just not tripping balls, just not freaking out, like just calm. Well, because the breathing, down. the the big thing about breathing is it it, it slows your heart rate, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're overwhelmed and you get anxiety, and then you start hyperventilating, what you're doing is you're pumping more blood, which is leading to more blood loss, and so you're calming yourself down, which is doing a whole bunch of different things, obviously, um, but it's calming your mindset and. You, you you attest that to survival for yeah for that incident you know i'm uh, looking back i'm like that's the only training that i had that's the only thing i can remember that probably saved me but um after you know all the years that i've gone through like all these trains i go through on my own and that i pick up from people like you guys and other companies that's when i'm like man if i if i would have had some of those then yeah it would have been like a um like an extra like oh shit maybe if i just apply this now it might save me because when i got hit in this part of the arm i mean that's pretty close to the brachial so i'm yeah. like uh, let me just you know if i had that i would have known but i didn't know shit i was just like oh it's bleeding what am i gonna do let's just breathe um <laughs> uh, but looking back man like like man i'm blessed to be back here because all these areas that i got hit the only thing i'm missing is maybe you know a, a centimeter an inch from a colostomy bag and a fractured hip that's still just floating in space in there, but that's all I got. That's you know hindering me from continuing forward, not giving up. So how was how was recovery? Recovery actually, uh, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was because I just kept wanting to figure out if I'm gonna walk and run again. Um, you know, I wasn't like you know the super CrossFit dude, but I knew that what my limitations were, and I wanted to get there. And I was like, if I can't run again or if I can't walk again, then I'm gonna give up. So every day I wake up, I go to my normal PT, which is my therapy, you know, just, just how to learn how to sit, learn how to, you know, squat, learn how to just do basic movement functions. That gradually got better and I went to start doing jogs, to runs, to, you know, seeing if I can take heavy impact on my body. So I actually went to uh, Jamaica, I think the next year, a whole year with my fiance and I was like, let me just do these fun things and jump off, you know, these 25 foot cliffs and see if I'll hurt or anything. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it didn't. I, I I jumped like about three of those different three different cliffs, and then uh, you know everything felt well. So it went from just learning how to sit to learning how to jog, learning how to run, and then finally putting pressure on my body. And then when that time came, it was like six months into my recovery. I was like, let's try to go back to work. Um, the physical part, you know, I, I think if anybody puts their mind to it, they can get to it. But it's the uh, psychological part um, that I wanted to touch base on for this podcast, man, because. That's the part that I don't think nobody really knows unless you reach I've out to experience someone. Experience something like that, right? So that one messed me up, you know, the most probably. So that's why uh, I'm glad that you guys put me on here because I wanted just to hopefully put this out there. And if anybody can, you know, gather this and, and, and run with it and hopefully it, it, you know, benefits them somehow, then I'm hoping that I uh, I did something for somebody, somebody yeah. else. So Absolutely, man. Well, you know, it's a... Uh... One, you're Asian, so you have superhuman powers. So that's <laughs> part of the healing process for Asians. We regenerate limbs um, and, you know, arteries and everything else. I, you know, one, you're young. Two, you're resilient. You know, you know, having that right mindset is what leads to people surviving. I mean, if you don't have the will to live, you're actually not going to live. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's not hard to die. We're really fragile. Mm-hmm. What happened to this dude? What happened to the suspect? So uh, 12 hours later, uh, they were able to get maybe an hour, I'm sorry, a mile to a mile and a half radius locked down, um, and the dude was just secreted in a neighborhood, um, not too far away from where the actual incident happened. Um, I guess he was going around asking for friends or people that he knows, hey man, let me me just crash in your backyard or house for a little bit. Um, But people were just shooing him away. They're like, no, 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 because at that point, news has already blown up, and everybody knows there's there's a cop shooter on the loose. And uh, this dude was the dude. Um, people were like, nope, nope, nope. Um, so 12 hours later, uh, you know, the, heat, the, the the airship's up. They're doing their rounds. You know, they get a heat signature in the backyard that they've been scanning back and forth. And like, hey, man, there's some dude or something, something huge is just like running on these fences. And then they're like, the dude is actually hopping fences. Like he's moving like with, with a purpose. Um, and then I don't have the clip of the uh, 
of what the airship has, but um, the detective that was working this case, he had like this whole entire portfolio that he uh, that he did for the whole incident. But he says, hey, on the video, you can see um, suspect chucking away a firearm um, and a bunch of dope and then maybe another firearm. So he had two firearms on him um, when the airship was up. So they finally got him into the corner and SWAT team got him um, physically, you know, uh, he surrendered handcuffs. They take him to the back of uh, black and white, transfer him down to uh, the Hall of Justice to do uh, an interview. But for some, for some time, that in route from when he got detained to when he hit the freeway, there's no movement, no sound. You know, the cops are checking in and then they pull over to this uh, this little taco spot. They look back and the dude is flatlined. Like there's no pulse, nothing at all. And they said that he probably got a heart attack mm. based on all the emotion that was going on. Um, they did an autopsy and it, he didn't have that much drugs on him. Maybe just a little bit of marijuana. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the guy just... You know, just died on his own natural causes, which, uh, you know, no hard feelings from him and his family. Till this day, I'm not mad about what he did. That's a life that's lost. Um, but uh, I know the family's sorry because uh, they apologize on per or in person on the news. And, uh, you know, I never went out to seek any um, retribution or any kind of, I mean, I guess I could have sued the shit out of them. But, you know, I'm not I'm not all about that, you know. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. You know, he chose the, cho or the life path that he wanted to. But, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not spiteful. I don't hate the dude. The dude's face is in my, you know, my whole entire, when I close my eyes, I can see his face, but I'm not like tripping balls or having nightmares about the guy. But um, I guess it's a good thing that, you know, he did pass away because now I don't have to worry about who this guy is on the loose and might maybe want to hurt man. somebody else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's changed for you? How does that, how does that change your life? How does it improve your life? And what does it make <clears throat> you think about that's different? Um, so, you know, the whole point of, uh, trying to get on this podcast or trying to get my information out there was the, the psychological part, right? So I, was, I wasn't I was an asshole to my parents or my, my friends or family, but I kind of pushed them on to the side. After the incident. After the incident. Because I was yeah. like, you know what? This is my own fight. I don't want to drag you into something stupid. Which is very Asian of you. <laughs> <laughs> we like to do that. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give anyone else this, uh, this burden. burden. Yeah. So I, I did everything on my own. Um, I accidentally... I actually, I accidentally pushed my whole relationship out the window and was like, I can do this on my own. But looking back, you know, my fiance was there, my family was there. They were all tending to me physically. They would help me get up in the morning, you know, just try to sit me up. They would plug my wounds. I mean, I was, you know, I was having like five inch like bullet wounds in my butt or near my hip area where they're just like sticking gauze in there, you know, these yep. wet gauze. I'm like, fuck man, it hurts. Um, but without them looking back, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have got through this. So it got to a point where I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I pushing these people away? And I know we're having fun drinking beers, but I was out there slamming, you know, cocktails and, and, and whiskey on the weekends and just getting hammered because I, I was like, I didn't know what was, what was going through my mind. I just wanted to put that pain away. Um, the good thing is I didn't I didn't rely on um, any uh, painkillers because those just fucked me up. It just gave me a weird side effect. So I chucked those out the windows, but I felt like this was my remedy where going out, chasing tail, you know, slamming these cocktails and pushing my family away was the way for me to get back psychologically but it got to a point where i was like man it's unhealthy it is it yeah. i woke up one day i was like man alcohol sucks um so i you know i started that process slowly where i reached out to my family and was like hey you know i, I want to be more involved so i went to see my dad more um i uh, rekindled the relationship with my fiance because um, they were all there for the support um so the biggest thing is if you got a support system out there you know slow down Take that support system. Let people help because they're there for you. Um, you're not in this battle alone because if you do, it's just going to consume you. You know, it got to a point where I was like, you know, maybe I can, maybe I should just eat my gun because this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I overcame that with, you know, thinking back and slowing down and like, hey, you know what? There's people that care about you. So and you survived. Yeah, like, that you too. Had, like you're alive. There's a purpose. When, yeah. I was like, you know, like I, I, I laugh every time I think about it. When I take a shit, I'm like, I look at my wounds. I'm like man, these are fucking crazy and you're here for a purpose. So why don't you go out there and keep... So what is your purpose? My purpose is to go out there and um, tell my story to the new recruits, which I've done at academies. Um, and this right now, I hope this drives home to a lot of people that, you know, you're not alone. So don't do things by yourself um, if you can help it. You know, like I know there's some things you can do uh, to mitigate that and to get better. But, you know, you got friends, you got families. Try to use that support system as best you can because... Uh, 
I mean, without them, I think I wouldn't be here. Uh, I know physically I was fine, but mentally, I mean, I was a wreck. So um, I'm hoping that I can influence anybody with this podcast and then me continue on, continuing on to speak at academies about my um, critical incident. You know, I, when I go to the academies, all I talk about is what happened that day. And I tell the kids and all the younger guys, gals too, is watch the hands because the hands is what kills. Like you said in your story about series this morning or um, yes, yesterday. Yeah. Hands will kill you. Um, so... I only touch about that, but I wish, you know, I get more time to talk about what happens afterwards. And I hope, I hope this right here drives that home to everybody. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, you know, I think we, I think we, uh, owe the listeners a follow up podcast cause we need to talk about that in depth, uh, at a latter point, you know, the mindset is something that we educate, uh, our consumers with because it's not a, it's not a real easy thing to teach. Right. right? Unless you've been through exactly. a lot of different experience. life experiences that yeah. kind of help, I think, give practical takeaways of what that looks like. And I think, you know, uh, Mike's story is a, um, we're glad you're still here, obviously. <laughs> um, but a traumatic incident that happens, right, with guys out on the street. They're out there to protect the public. They're chasing bad guys. Bad shit happens. Um, and then you got to deal with that on the on the back side. And, you know, it's not just physical, you know, like Mike described, it's, uh, it's, it's a mental thing as well. It's a mindset thing. It's like, you got to figure that out. Right. And there's different situations, I think in our lives in general, um, that, you know, that learning from a guy like Mike Nguyen, uh, who deals with a catastrophic incident like that, and he's, you know, terribly wounded and then has to go through the recovery period. And oh, by the way, this guy is still doing the job. So just think about that for a second, because most people, um, that I've ever come in contact with when they're involved in a traumatic experience, um, they don't, they don't want to do that anymore. So imagine, you know, for lack of better terms, the ball sack that it takes to, to, uh, to throw the uniform back on, to strap, strap that sidearm on every day. Um, and now he's a canine officer with a SWAT unit, um, and go to work, you know, knowing what the, what the consequences could be. So anyways, um, I think this is, you know, one, thank you from, you know, me, um, because, you know, Mike and I realize that uh, there's a ton of law enforcement guys and gals out there that are putting it on the line every single day. Um, and they do that not out of, you know, they don't, you know, it's not some big, I'm a gunslinger and all this other stuff. They go out there to protect the public and do their job. And it's important that they're recognized for what they do and appreciated and supported. Yeah, you. Yeah, I know you're. I already know your mindset because you're Asian. It's, it's literally, you know, when you know when we we're really good at pushing things away and then eating the burden of ourselves, and then we're very good at introspect and inversely um, affecting our own minds because we're like, you know, it's a pride thing. It's it's part of pride, right? And it's part of uh, being stubborn Asians. But I, you know, I what I think is amazing is your story in the in the simplicity of what it is it's a catastrophic event that you survived and the fact that you could educate officers is a purpose i mean literally that is a purpose and uh we will be here not just as a company but as people to support the message because just like kurt said uh, the reality is we as a society do not appreciate and respect what you men and women do on a daily basis. And it's not like even that you're asking for it. Right. Uh, but the pro- the problem is, is how society, media, et cetera, treat and law enforcement. And portray law yeah. enforcement. And so uh, we're going to do our best to educate the public, tell uh, stories like yours, and then, uh, you know, do our best to affect perception and, and met- let them understand the reality of what you guys face on a daily basis. So yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, man. thanks, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I look forward to doing uh, more podcasts with Mike. We will do another podcast with Mike later on. And then also uh, educating everybody on some things that, you know, it's like a, a lesson learned thing. Sure. One is medical training. We, we haven't, we've emphasized it at periods. Right. But uh, it's systemically an issue. Right. That law enforcement officers don't have the equipment and the training. Right. Um, that they need. This is not a secret classified TTP or, or tactic. It, it's something that every single one of them should know, right. and uh, w- something that we'll pay more attention to in the near future. And you know, just like uh, uh, we, uh, in, 
yeah. implement our training. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just it just by default, you know, our med kit's coming out next week. But to put that in LD's hands to educate consumers, it's not just for uh, yeah. special operations guys. It's for everybody. Well, and it's not just another cool piece of kit, right? Like there's a purpose behind it. And you just heard the story. If you don't have the training and you don't have the equipment, you know, uh, unfortunately, the end state of that could be you don't you don't get a second chance. So yeah, if there's any questions uh, for Mike, uh, please uh, DM me or Kurt or email us, and then we'll make sure we relay. We don't give us public information. We've made that mistake ourselves. <laughs> hey, just give us a call. Yeah, uh, don't call us because that's a lot of messages. Um. Yeah, just so we can get messages, because I'm sure there's going to be uh, l- listeners out there who have questions that want to dig a little bit deeper, and that's what we want to do. If I had the opportunity, I'd spend here like hours here right. and doing the long, uh, long version of it because it's important. That information is important. Right. Uh, but we'll have a resource for information, and then we will be doing a podcast with Mike about mindset uh, and about survival at a lot of period. And we might even have him at the seminars. You know, we plan to do seminars on the West Coast, including Cali. And uh, maybe have them come up to a seminar here in the area. Yeah. And uh, and speak. I like that idea. Cool. Well, that's all we got for the podcast, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, you know, no plugs on this one. Yeah, Maybe that's it. Yeah. Until <laughs> yeah. next time. Stay alert. Stay alive, guys.